I'll see if it cooperates with me or all right. On today, we're going to be talking about that uh, three types of Christians. Three types of Christians. And I, at the end of that, I asked the question, what type are you? Say that with me. Three types of Christians. Now look at your neighbor and say, what type are you? I began to think about, uh, and I didn't get a chance to have a conversation with Melissa, but she could have helped me with this introduction. Uh, I began to think about in uh, working with uh, blood, yeah. talking about blood and the human body. And the reason that I mentioned Melissa because she works as a, what do they call it? Phobotomist. Yeah. And uh, she's studied and, and works in that area. And so uh, she draws blood. Well, when you work with blood, one of the things that uh, in the medical arena that you find out is that even though all of our blood, when you, when you look at it, is it looks red. It looks red uh, because of the red uh, corpuscles or whatever. Looks red, and if you you know stick me and you look at my blood, and you stick somebody else and you look at their blood, it all looks about the same. But there are different types. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They, they 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 type the blood into mm -hmm. different types. There is what type A, uh -huh. A, B, O B. O is the old one. Is that the universal? Okay. So there are different blood types. In, in, in the human family. Uh, and if you are giving a transfusion and you get the wrong type, it can cause some complications oh, yes. and some issues. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so even though all of us are human, uh, many of us have different blood types. And just like that there are different blood types, I'm saying to you, and I'm going to try to prove it from the scripture, that there are three different types of Christians. And I hope, amen, before the end of this message, you'll be able to identify what type are you. Is that all right? Amen. Let's look at the scripture. Over in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, reading from the New King James Version, uh, it begins, it says, And I, brethren, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, and as to babes in Christ." I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. Even now, you are not able. For you are still carnal. For where there is, are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now, one of the things as I have the scriptures up on the screen, you're going to notice that I underline uh, certain word 
words for emphasis. And uh, notice Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And this was a church that uh, in, in another place he said, you, you, you're gifted. You, 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 you have the gifts. But I could not speak to you as unto spiritual men because you, you, you're carnal. He says, I had to feed you with milk. You know, there are times uh, when you're dealing with people that uh, 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 you have to water it down a little bit. Yes. Have to put some milk in it. You know, I hear sometimes people talk about it. And you see, I still drink coffee like I started when I was about five years old. You know, <laughs> when, when, when I started drinking coffee at five, so uh, I, put, I put a lot of milk in yes. my coffee. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it used to be I put a, a lot of sugar in it. Now, I, I've cut back. I don't put sugar in it necessarily. Now, I put sweetener in it. Uh, but I still drink it like I did when I first started. But I run into some people that are some real coffee drinkers, some real coffee. And uh, they'll tell you, amen, I, give it to me straight. Amen. I don't need no milk. Amen. And, 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 and you know what? There are believers, amen, and I don't know about you, but when I'm dealing with someone, uh, I want them to give it to me straight. Amen. I don't want them beating around the bush. I don't want them watering it down. Amen. Uh, my soul is at stake. But the sad part is that there's some people who can't take it without milk. If you don't give them milk, amen, they'll leave. If you don't give them milk, they won't stick. They won't stay. And so Paul said, I fed you with milk and not solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you still are not able. For you are still carnal. And he, and, and he begins to describe, how do I know? He said, the reason I know you're still carnal is because there's envy. Uh, yes. There's strife yes. and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, you're acting almost like the world. Yes. And you know what? There are Christians that the difference between the way they act in the world is very, very little. Very little difference. So, I said there are three types of Christians. And uh, what type are you? Well, the first type of Christian that's mentioned here in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 first type is called what, 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 what Paul calls, or what I'm going to call, the spiritual Christian. Say that with me. The spiritual Christian. And, 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 and that's who we all should strive to be. The spiritual Christian. Now, when it comes to the spiritual Christian, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 6, it says, however, we speak wisdom. Among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age. Nor of the rulers of this age. 
who are coming to nothing. In other words, the first type of Christian is the spiritual Christian. And uh, the spiritual Christian is the one who Paul says we're able to speak wisdom among those who are mature. But not the wisdom of this age. Some of y'all remember I was preaching, I believe it was last week, and I talked about the fact that uh, uh, if you're going to understand spiritual things, and if you're going to understand the Word of God, sometimes it can be a handicap to be smart. Y'all remember me talking about that? You see, a lot of us uh, that think we're smart. The Bible said you think you are something when you're... But, but there are a lot of us that uh, 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 we're smart, we're intellectual, we're sharp. But what the Bible says is that it is difficult to understand spiritual things. Because you don't get them by being smart. That God has withheld them from the wise and the cunning, and he's revealed them to babies. And so the person who thinks that they are the intellectual giant and the smartest person in the room, many times is at a disadvantage when it comes to spiritual things. Well, I smart to get us ahead in school. I smart to get us ahead in business. Amen. And in the things of this world, But when it comes to the things of God, God laughs at what we call wisdom. And uh, so he says here, however we speak wisdom. He's talking about the wisdom of God. However we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age. Same thing I've just been talking about. Not earthly wisdom. That's not what we speak. Nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I want to point out something to you. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes uh, back in Jesus' day, they were experts in the scriptures. You all listening to me? I said they were experts in the scripture. They studied the Bible, which was the Old Testament. They studied the Old Testament, and they knew it, they knew it, they knew it. And yet, with all of their wisdom, when Jesus showed up in the flesh, they didn't recognize it. And in fact, not only did they not recognize the living word, after being studying the written word, they didn't recognize him. They opposed him and eventually turned him over to the Romans to crucify him. Yeah. 
about three types of Christians. And the question is, what type are you? And, 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 and so, uh, I, I, I want to get this point driven in, 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 in that uh, we cannot rely upon our own human uh, wisdom and smarts and intelligence to get us over when it comes to spiritual things. You ever see somebody that they were so they 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 they, they were so smart uh, when it comes to book knowledge, but they had no life skills. Yeah. Y'all understand what I'm talking about here? Well, you can be intelligent and, and wise in the ways of the world, but dumb when it comes to the things of God. Yes. And the Pharisees were a chief example of that. Yes. So we're talking about, what are we talking about today? That I said there are three types of Christians. And we want to determine by the close of this message what type of are you? What type am I? Now, uh, I know I've seen this on uh, some of the crime shows. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, but I'm going to refer back to uh, Melissa and see if she can help me. Have you ever heard of a person changing, who, who, whose blood type changed? You've never heard of that? Okay, I, I saw that on a on an a episode of uh, CSI one time, and I don't know if it was you know, real or not. But one thing that I know spiritually, and thank God, uh, we can change. Amen. We might start out, amen, and you might identify in this message being one type of Christian, but you don't have to stay that way. Amen. Amen. Thank God you can change. Yeah. Okay, so the first type of Christian is the spiritual Christian. It's the one that is mature. It's the one that you don't have to, that you can, you can feed them with meat and don't have to water it down with milk. Yes. Amen. Now I'm going to skip over number two. And I'm, amen. And in the scripture that we read in uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, Paul said to the church at Corinth, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual because you are carnal. So that third type of Christian is the carnal Christian. Brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food until now because you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able. For there is envy and strife and division and, amen, among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So the third type of Christian is the carnal Christian. Yeah. And in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, uh, Paul says, And I, brethren, came, uh, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom. Declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing. Or to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said when I came. I determined 
not to come with excellence of speech. Uh -uh. There's sometimes when you're dealing with carnal Christians, uh, they can't take what you would want to be able to share the deep things of God. Yeah. Uh, the, you, you're wasting your time yeah. sharing the deep things of God. And so Paul said, I had to keep it simple. He said, and brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything except among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For some corner Christians, the message that you need to be talking to them is uh, about Jesus Christ and him being crucified and how he gives you power over sin. Because you see, for the corner Christian, let me describe what I'm talking about when I say a corner Christian. And see, do you know this fellow? Some of you all might live with this fellow. Some of you all might be this fellow. But you see, the corner Christian is the one that uh, does pretty good for a while. And then after a while, uh, they slip back into some old habits. They uh, uh, do pretty good at church, but don't let somebody cross them or make them mad. And, uh, amen, uh, uh, they, they, they wear their feelings on their shoulder. And if you cross them, amen, they'll let you know about it. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and if it get bad enough, they'll fight you. Mm -hmm. Now, they'll, they'll ask God to forgive them after they didn't stop fighting. Talk about the corner Christian. And so their life revolves around a cycle of uh, doing pretty good and then slipping and then coming under conviction and then asking God, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I, I, I won't do it again. And then straightening up for a little while and then going back in that cycle. Going around the same mountain. And never, uh, never growing into maturity. Yeah. I'm talking about the corner Christian. Y'all, 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 y'all know that fella. Anybody know that fella? The corner Christian, the one that uh, will uh, be surfing the internet and will come across a questionable website. And uh, we'll look at it and say, oh, and, and, and then after a while I say, okay, I, I, I don't need to look at that. I, I, I need to stay away from that. Lord, help me. Forgive me, Lord. And they'll do good for a while. But they got saved in their browser. And then, it, and, and, and there's some that it seems like it's on a cycle. Maybe every two months, every three months or so. But they get caught up in what the Bible calls besetting sin. Bible said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with does so easily beset us. And let us run this race with patience, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm talking about the carnal Christian. Y'all recognize that fellow? Paul said, I, 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 I can't give you meat. I got to water it down with milk. Talking about the carnal Christian. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, it says there, and I put in parentheses in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the verse, and I inserted the word soulish, which, amen. But in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says there, but the natural man, or the soulish man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I want you to read that with me again. Let's read it out loud. But who? The natural man. The soulish man does not receive but the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So when I talk about the three types of Christians, the first type of Christian I've already talked about is the spiritual Christian. The second type of Christian is the soulish Christian. And the third type of Christian, all right? Now, for a lot of us, we don't, we, you know, we can identify very readily. Uh, we, we know who he is or she is. And uh, occasionally we run into spiritual Christians. But for a lot of us, we don't know what that second category is, the soulless Christian. And, and, and it's my job, uh, because the soulless Christian, I believe, is at, uh, 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 is, is at more danger than even the carnal Christian. And there are people that fall in that second category, and they don't even really they don't even really know it. You all with me? Amen. Amen. Let's go to First uh, Thessalonians five and twenty-three. In First Thessalonians five and twenty-three, it says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely." In other words, Paul said, "God, I'm praying that God will sanctify." The whole you. Completely. May your whole spirit. Soul. And body. Be preserved blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is. Uh, uh, shining light on here. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Is that. Just. Uh, uh, you see the scriptures reveal. God. Being. Uh, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a trinity. Amen. Not three gods, but, amen, three persons in one. God is a trinity. And uh, what Paul shines a light is that you and I as human beings are made up of, and, and if we would say it, we would say body, soul, and spirit. That's the way we would say it, but it's because we're coming from a human viewpoint. But Paul is looking at it from a spiritual uh, viewpoint, and when you look at it from a spiritual viewpoint, we're not body, soul, and spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. The real you, the real you, is not your body. Amen. Your body has a part in it, but the real you 
is your spirit and your soul. Y'all with me there? Hebrews 4.12. In Hebrews 4.12 it says there, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division, the division of what? The soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See what I've got, amen, in parentheses around those verses. Yes. In other words, uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying the only thing that is sharp enough to, 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 to cut, amen, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it is able to pierce and even to the division of the soul and the spirit. And the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Only thing that can, can, can the, the, the only thing sharp enough to operate on us and, and, and to separate uh, the soul and the spirit, when he talks about joint and marrow, he's talking about the body. And so, what Paul is, what Paul is uh, illuminating here in Hebrews 4.12 or what the writer of Hebrews, rather, is illuminating here in uh, Hebrews 4 and 12. Notice the order. Piercing even the division of what? Soul, spirit, and joints and marrow. The order is reversed, or it's not reversed, but it's, it, it's, it's not the proper order. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? It's not the proper order. Why is it not the proper order? Because soul is mentioned first. I, I, I see y'all looking at me like, what, where, where's he going? What's he saying? But do you see what I'm talking about? The, the verse that we said before was what? Spirit, soul, and body. What do you see here in, in, in uh, Hebrews 4.12? Soul, soul spirit, and body. The joints and marble. That's the body. Talking about a soulless Christian. That that second division I'm talking about is a soulish Christian. And what a lot of us don't realize, there are a lot of people that, that think that they're spiritual when really uh, they're not spiritual at all. They are, are uh, the, the main motivator, the main driver, the main controller is their soulish nature. Y'all with me there? Y'all see what I'm talking about? Amen. Let's, let's, let's move a little further. Now, in, in, in John 1.14, uh, it talks about how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and, and when it says the Word, when it talks about, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus was the living word. And that word dwell, uh, when you look at it uh, in, in, in the language, in, in going back into the he tabernacled among us. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten 
of the Father, full of grace and truth. What we're, what we're spending time, we're saying three types of Christians. Spiritual, soulish, and carnal. Carnal Christians, we can identify. But it is that second category of the soulish Christian that we need to shine some light on it because I believe that there are a lot of Christians that fall into that second category and don't even know it. And they don't realize how dangerous it is. Sometimes they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, the picture that I got up there, some lessons we can learn from the tabernacle. And on the uh, left side is a representation of uh, the tabernacle uh, in the Old Testament. And if you'll notice there, uh, the tabernacle was set up in three parts. And it rep it's representative of, well, I'll show you, it's representative of, of, of the human body, but it's also representative of, of how God, God is a tripartite God. So in the tabernacle, you've got the outer court. That's, that's, that's one part. You've got the holy place. That's the second part. And you've got, there is a veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. And, and you've got the holy of holies. And how that translates or correlates to us Amen. The human body, on the outer part, you got the body. Then next you have the soul. And dividing the soul from the spirit, amen, there's a partition. And you have the spirit, uh, uh, and, and, and in order to be spiritual Christians, the order should be spirit, soul, and body. If you're a carnal Christian, the order is body, soul, and spirit. But if you're a soulish Christian, the order is soul, spirit, and body. And so there's some lessons that we can learn from the tabernacle. And in Hebrews 10 and 20, amen, Hebrews 10 and 20, it says there, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Amen. In Hebrews uh, 10 and 20, it talks about how when Jesus Christ became the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus opened up a new way and consecrate uh, that he consecrated for us through the veil of his flesh. Hallelujah. Yes. And so uh, let, let, let's talk about what Jesus did. What does it mean? What are the lessons that we can learn from that? Uh, well, the thing that we learn Amen. Is that Christ had what we call uh, Christ.
Christ had his own will. Christ had self-will. The reason we know that is that when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, he prayed, Lord, Father, let this cup pass. You all remember that? I preached on that empty cup. What did the cup represent? Anybody remember from that message? What did the cup represent? Yeah, the wrath of God, the judgment of God. See, a lot of people think that Christ was praying not to die. He wasn't afraid to die. But the cup that he had to drink was the cup of the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And Christ had a will. And, and in his will, he didn't, he, he didn't, you know, you know, I don't mind dying, but you know, that's some stuff you like, that's some stuff you don't. He said, Father. Is it possible to let this cup pass? Can, can I do everything else but, but, but not the cup? But then after he expressed his will, while praying, he said, Nevertheless, not what? My, my will, but let thy will be done. Yes. And so the thing that Christ had, just like we have, we got what's known as self-will. Yes, yes. This is very important. To, I've been building and trying to get somewhere, but it's very important that you understand this portion here. What, what, what is it that we have just like Christ had? Self-will. We have a will. And in fact, the Word of God said there's a way that seems right to a man. Oh, yes, oh, yes. But it's not life, it's death. Amen. We got a will. Christ had a will. But I want you to notice in Luke 22 and 42. Well, I, 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 we, we went over that one. Let me go to the next one. I'm, uh, in John 6 and 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Notice, Jesus, you know, we, we look at, he died, and he healed the sick, and, and so forth and so on. But Jesus said, primarily, I came down from heaven not to do my own will. Yes. See, I told you, he's got self-will. Oh, yeah. But he said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Yes. In one scripture, Jesus said, the work I do, I do what I've seen the Father do. That's what I do. And, and, and it's interesting. Uh, I, I just want to give an example. See, sometimes we think that Jesus came down, you know, to heal the sick, and he did. And uh, to feed, you know, people, and he did that. But his primary purpose of coming was to do the will of God. And do you not know that he didn't heal everybody? Y'all hear me? Yes. He didn't heal everybody. You, you all remember when he went to the, the, by the, the pool of Bethesda? And he said, what? There were a lot of sick and important folk there. How many people did he heal by the pool of Bethesda? One. 
he saw a man who had been there for a long time. And when he perceived he had been there for a long time, he healed one man. And that, and, 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 and it's times I've read, you know, different things, and I, I used to wonder about that. See, some of us, you know, in our mind, we think, man, if, if, if Jesus would show up here, or if I could take Jesus with me to the hospital, man, we'd clear the hospital out. Well, in Jesus' day, when he walked into the flesh, he went by the so-called pool of Bethesda where there was a hospital. And he healed. How many again? One. One. Why? Why did he only heal one? I'm going to tell you. Because he said, I do the will of my father. God didn't tell him to, to clear the pool of Bethesda. God told him, there, that's the one. Let, let me give you another example. Uh, you all remember in the book of Acts where Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer and there was a, 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 a man that was crippled and begging for alms. And, 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 and Peter says, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have give to you. And, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And they grabbed the man by the hand, picked him up, and the man started leaping and was healed. That man was laid at the beautiful gate. He had been, he, he'd been impotent and, and, and lame for a long time. He had laid at that beautiful gate. And do you all not know that Jesus visited that temple? And, amen, uh, evidently or, uh, Jesus walked by and he maybe even told them to give him some money. Amen. But Jesus walked by the man who was laid at the, the, the gate of the beautiful temple daily. He walked by and he didn't heal him. You ever thought about that? Didn't heal him. Why? Why, why, why didn't he heal him? Because he said, I, I, I came not to do my own will, but to do the will of the Father. And so what Jesus did was, uh, and, and the ultimate act of what Jesus did is represented when he died. Jesus surrendered self-will. And when Jesus died on the cross, uh, you see the representation I got up there of the, of the uh, tabernacle? And I told you that there was a veil that separated uh, the, the holy place from the holy of holies. When Jesus said it was finished on the cross, that veil was torn from the top to the bottom. It was a huge, a huge curtain. Weighed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. That thing, was, God said, I'm opening it up. Amen. And, and, and in Hebrews it said the veil was his body. And what I, what, what I am suggesting is that when Jesus yielded in death, that was the ultimate surrender of self-will. Because you all know what we talk about. What is the first law of nature? Self-preservation Self is the first law of nature. So, he says, scarcely for a, a righteous man, pre-adventure for a good man, but when we were yet sinners, Christ died. He didn't spare his life. He surrendered his self-will. And the veil, amen, when his body hung on the cross and he died, the veil 
that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, it was torn. foundation. So, uh, still talking about the three types of Christians. What's the first type we said? The first type is the spiritual Christian. The third type is the carnal Christian. We, we can identify. But the second type is the soulish Christian. And what we've got to do is we need to understand and, 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 and if we fall into that category, it is dangerous to be a soulless Christian. It is dangerous because, number one, you'll deceive yourself in thinking you're spiritual. When the, the primary motiva motivation will not be coming from the spirit, it'll be coming from your soul. And the Bible says that the soul is Christian. Amen. We, we, we read it over in uh, 1 Corinthians over there. It receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. First Corinthians 2.14, it says, but the natural man. And, and, and for years when I read that, I, I thought it was talking about unsaved. 1 Corinthians 2.14 for years when I read that, I thought it was talking about unsaved people. And, and, and I would say, you know, see, you know, unsaved people, they just don't get spiritual things. But when I began to do some study, what I found out, but the natural man, that's the soulish man. The soulish Christian. But the soulish Christian does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. There's some, there's some things, let, let me ask you this. Some of you, has God ever dealt with you to do something and other people that you know who are saved and, 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 and you try to explain it to them and you can't explain it to them really, but you'll say, you know what, I, I can't explain it, but God is leading me to do this. And have you ever had other Christians tell you, you a fool? You are a fool. It's no way God told you to do that. Anybody, any, any, anybody ever had that happen? Y'all scared to raise your hand? All right, leave me out here by myself. That's all right. But understand what I'm saying. In, 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 in uh, verse 14 there, it says, but the natural, the soulish man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's why when you're dealing with soulless Christians and you are a spiritual Christian, God deals with you. God, 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 and, 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 and sometimes to them, they get tired of hearing you. Oh, God show you something every day, huh? Uh, God always talking to you. Well, you, you know, come on, be for real. What does it say there? Does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, when you are led by your soul, 
And when I talk about the soul, the Bible said when God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, he became a living soul. And the soul has what? It's got the mind, the emotions, and the will. They are in the soul. And that's why I said earlier, being smart can be a disadvantage. If you rely upon your smarts to try to understand spiritual things. Because they are not discerned by intelligence, they are discerned spiritually. You all see what it says there? Because they are spiritually discerned. But he, who judge, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct? But we have the mind of Christ. The spiritual man has the mind of Christ. The one that is a soulish Christian they are governed by their feelings. They are governed by their thoughts. They are governed by their will. Yeah. Self-will. I like to call it ego. And all of us have egos. All of us have egos. And, and, and we'll do pretty good until you get on the wrong side of our ego. And then we'll get you off of it. Look, I'm saved, but I ain't crazy. You, 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 you're messing with the wrong one. Uh, I, I love God, but I don't like all this too. Messing with the wrong one. I'm talking about the soulless Christian. Now, the reason that I said operating as a soulless Christian is dangerous. It's dangerous. Because over in Matthew 7, 21, notice what Jesus says here. Matthew 7 and 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who, what? Does the will of my Father in heaven. Ain't that what Jesus said? I didn't come to do my will. Yeah. I came to do the will of the Father. Yeah. And so he says here, amen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then notice this, and this, this here ought to be frightening. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That ought to be scary. Because notice what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. That, that, that sounds emotional to me. Trying to get, Lord, Lord. 
He didn't say a few. I believe when it comes to Christians, some of the law, but if, if you would, when I talk about the three types of Christians, I believe the largest category are soulless Christians. I believe that category is larger than the carnal Christians. Because you see, the carnal Christian, if they stay carnal long enough, after a while they'll backslide and you won't see them no more. They'll go back to doing what they was doing before. But the soulless Christian is self-deceived. Isn't that what I was talking about last Sunday about uh, how not to be deceived? And, 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 and we talked about how to inoculate ourselves, amen, against deception. Yes. That, that category of the soulless Christian, I believe, is the largest one. Because Jesus said, many will say to me in that day. He's talking about the day of judgment. Yeah. He didn't say a few. He said many. And, 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 and I can just uh, see it now. When you read, they say, uh, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons? Have we not done many wonders in your name? I believe that there, and, and I'm not against big churches. I'm not against successful ministries. I want to see Bethel grow. I want to see Bethel be successful. Yes. But I'm here to tell you there are churches that if you look at them on the outside and if you count up their attendance and if you count up their budget, amen, in our mind we would say they're successful. Yes. But in the day of judgment, Jesus is going to say to a lot of those leaders, not a few, but many. I never knew you. I never knew you. Now somebody say, how does that happen? How, how, how can that happen? How can they cast out demons? How can they prophesy? How can they do miraculous works? Do you all not know that Satan was an angel? Uh, 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 and... and, and uh, Somebody said, how, 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 can, how can all of that happen? To be honest with you, I, I, I don't have a good answer for you today, but I know it will happen because Jesus said it would. And he didn't say a few, he said many. But I believe the key is he said, I never, at the end of that verse, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, their wills were not surrendered to do God's will. They were doing their own thing, being motivated by their soulish nature. Anybody ever see over in the book of James, I believe it's around James 1. Uh, look it up for me. I don't know if it's James 1, 19 or 18. But it says, let us lay aside the subfluriness of naughtiness. And, 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 and let us, uh, it, 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 it talks about and receive uh, the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls. At least the first chapter of the book of James toward the end. Anybody got that? That's why I like the Bible. I, I, I like the electronics, but yeah. amen. Uh, you know what? They can come up with all the gadgets they want. I am 
saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man 
who built his house on a rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Jesus uses the picture of two houses. And what I begin to realize, these two houses could be built side by side. One man dug down and got to the rock. And he laid his foundation on the other man said, it don't take all that. That stuff Pastor Nunn talking about, it, 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 it don't take all of that. Let's do it the easy way. And he built his house right next to him on the sand. Now the guy who dug deep, it took extra work and expense and, and, and money yes. to get down to the foundation. Other guy, since he didn't dig a foundation, he, he could build his house bigger, faster, fancier, fancier, because he had invested in a foundation. And so those two houses sitting next to each other, you look at one, and, and, and you know what? Some of us, we're looking at the other fellow's house, and we're jealous of the other fellow's house. But, amen, we're looking at what's on top, but we're not looking at what's under the, what's under the foundation. And maybe the one, the house we got ain't as fancy. Not as elaborate. Amen. Not as tall and, 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 and expansive. Amen. And it's taking us longer because we had to dig down to the rock. One thing God told me, he said, don't, be, don't ever be jealous of somebody else's gift. Don't ever be jealous of somebody else's gift. Amen. Don't ever be jealous of somebody else's ministry. Amen. Uh, I, got, I got a notebook in there. Small notebook. Hand it to me. Let, let, let me, let me uh, say something to you about don't, don't be jealous of somebody else. Uh, and I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about from the life of Jesus. Amen. From the life of Jesus. Just, just an example here. Um, Jesus lived on the earth. A lot of times we think length of life. But it's not how long you live, but it's what you do with the life you live. Amen. Do you all know how long, how old Jesus was before he was crucified? 33 years. How long did Jesus conduct his ministry? Three, almost three and a half years. Okay? So, his life, in, and, and while he lived, he said, I came to what? Do the will of my Father. There's a lot that Jesus did that's not recorded in the Bible. Because he didn't just start doing the will of his Father when he started in his ministry. He did the will of his father every day yes. for those 33 years. Yes. How do I know it? I know it because at 12 years old, 
when they lost him and he was in the temple and when they finally found him and got him back and his mother and, 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 and Joseph wanted to scold him and he said, how is it that you search for me? Know you not that I, what? Must be. Must be about my father's business. He did the will of the father for 33 years. Every day. He did the will of the father. He spent three and a half years in ministry that we have recorded in the Bible. Got anybody that know how to do math? Any math people in here? Alright, so... Uh, I'm going to just lay out the principle then. So what we get from the ministry and the life of Jesus is that our life is ten times more important than our ministry. Because the ministry portion of his life was only 10%. Y'all get it? Three years, 33 years. Approximately 10% of his life was ministry. And so what it shows us is that our life, the life, the personal life, what we do every day is 10 times more important than what we do in church. Than what we do in our so-called ministries. Amen. You got people that got platforms and these fantastic ministries and what have you, but go home with them. Go home with them. I, I, I was so sad uh, when I read a uh, real prestigious ministry outskirts of Chicago. If I called the name, uh, those that are in the know in the church world, religious world, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, expansive, multi-million dollar budgets. Uh, they, they, they came up with the seeker-sensitive service and, 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 and the, the worship experience through the weekends and what have you. And, and, and this guy who was a household name, amen, ministered for years, was at the point where he was getting ready to retire after some 40 years in ministry. And the word gets out that he's been sexually abusing one of his staff members and, 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 uh, uh, and, and, and the ugliness and the rumors and, and, and comes out and he's, he retires ahead of time and so forth, amen. And this was the guy that they would hide, that they would bring in to speak to the conventions and speak to the uh, different symposiums and what have you and had an excellent track record, amen, on the surface. But his personal life caught up with it and had to retire in disgrace. And now the church is left in turmoil because of the way they handle it. Talking about how, how, how does these things happen? Back to the one. How can you have prophesied and done many uh, wonders and miracles and he said I never knew you you who practice lawlessness so I gotta, we, we, we got to last another picture here then of uh, what Jesus is talking about he said but everyone who hears these saying of mine and does not do them 
Like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rains descended, flood came, winds blew, and beat on that house. Same storm. Same storm hit two houses. You can't see uh, my words up under there, but under the caption of that picture, amen, that's the picture of two houses, the one built on sand and the one that was built on the rock. And the caption that I got under there that you can't see is that, amen, I want you to think about when we think about building on sand, we're, thinking, we're talking about building on the mind and the emotions are the same. See, if you ain't doing God's will, you're doing your will. Let that sink in for a minute. If we're not doing the will of the Father, we're doing our will. Or we're doing what Satan is suggesting us to do. Got to serve somebody. So if you're doing, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. I did it my way. And the Bible says doing it my way can end in hell. So the picture I want you to get is that the man who built this house on sand, the sand, amen, represented his mind and his will and his emotions. Self-will. That was the same. And you'll, 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 you'll get along all right until the storm comes. And when the storm comes, you won't survive it. But the man who built his house on a rock, the rock, represented a surrender of self-will to the will of God. So what I'm saying is, that we've got to do the exact same thing Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. I subscribe to you that that is a description of a spiritual Christian. One who follows the pattern of Jesus and is not led by his soulless nature of his mind, his will, and his emotions, but sets that aside and says, nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. And when you live with a surrendered self-will, that will, amen, uh, 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 plummet you from the category of a soulless Christian into a spiritual Christian. Y'all get anything out of this? And in Luke 9 and 23, I'm almost done. In Luke 9 and 23, Jesus says here, uh, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, We read these verses, but a lot of times we read them and we just didn't get it. If anyone desires to come after me, what does come after me mean? Following my footsteps. What did you got to do? Deny 
himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're going to follow me, Jesus said, if you, really, if you want to come after me, you want to walk in my footsteps, let him deny himself. Denying yourself doesn't mean you don't buy new clothes. Denying you, you, himself doesn't mean that uh, you starve yourself. You know, I, I, I'll just give all my money to church and uh, I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to take a vow of poverty. That's not, that, 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 that's not what it means. Now, if God will tells you to take a vow of poverty, that's one thing. But God might say, I want you to be a CAO and a business person. And I want you to uh, 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 be able to uh, uh, be a blessing financially and help support the ministries that I'm going to show you. That's denying yourself. It's surrendering self-will and yielding to the will of God. And, 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 and we'll begin to see miracles when she told the servant, whatever he tell you to do. Do it. And they saw water turned into wine. Y'all getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. And notice, it's not one time that you do it. See, you know, a lot of us, we can tell you about the time when we got saved. Oh, yeah, I got saved. I got saved at, at uh, 104 Hill Street, Eagle Park Acres, Madison, Illinois. That's where I got saved at. I got filled with the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night. Amen. I was laying over under the piano. You, if, if the building was like this, there was a piano that sat over here. And, and, and I was laying over there by the piano, and, and that's where God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, uh, that happened at a particular time, a particular place. Amen. And I can tell you the time and the place. But the surrender of self-will is not a one-time thing. It needs to happen daily. We need, to, we need to get up daily and say, okay, God, you know, I got my agenda and my plans, but, but I recognize I'm not going to get anywhere and I'm not going to be successful doing it my way. And so I'm going to lay my stuff down. And, 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 and the other thing that I noticed about Jesus, and that helps me, when he prayed in the garden, he did not want to take the cup. And you know what? There are times when uh, uh, we don't want to do the will of God. You know, I'm, it makes me think about the story of uh, mother was trying to wake up her son. And she was telling her son, wake up, wake up. You got you to gotta get ready. We got to go to church. And he's like, I don't want to go to church. I don't, don't want to go to church. I'm tired. I, I want to sleep in. I don't want to go to church. And the mother, come, come on, wake up, son. You got to go to church. You the pastor. We all, amen, don't always feel churchy. We all don't always feel, amen, and, 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 and oh, the will of God. And, and, amen, there's sometimes in our human understanding, amen, it, it don't make sense. Jesus said, Father, if I would, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, my God, I don't know about you, 
but I think we've settled for less. Amen. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I believe that's, that's last verse. I don't know about you. I don't want to be caught up in the category of being a soulless Christian and deceiving myself. Amen. I didn't, I didn't went through too much. Amen. Anybody in here that you've been saved for a number of years, you feel like you've paid your dues? Anybody in here say, I, I, I paid my dues? Now, that's nothing with the price Jesus paid, but I paid my dues. And to go to hell out of the church? Uh-uh. No. Not if I can help it. And, 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 and so the last scripture that I want to get to over here uh, is interesting. I want to talk in John 4 about the woman of Samaria. What's interesting, though, is when you contrast John 4 to John 3, because in John 3, Jesus meets Nicodemus. And I would style Nicodemus like a bishop in the church. Y'all see what I'm talking about? He was a Pharisee. Yeah. But let's, let's equate Nicodemus to what we would call a bishop in the church. And in John 3, you got Jesus talking to a bishop. And in John 4, you got Jesus talking to a woman who's been married and divorced five times and she's shacking up with a man that's not her husband. Have I painted the picture for you? John 3, chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a bishop or a Pharisee like a bishop. John 4, he's talking to a woman who's been married five times and divorced and is shacking up with a man who's not her husband. Now, what do you think those two conversations would be about? What do you just think about? What would he say to the woman, divorced five times, shacking up with a man, bishop of a church? Well, we can read it. What Jesus said to the bishop or the Pharisee, what, you know what he said to him? Except you be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus talked to him about being born again. What did he talk to the woman about? He talked to the woman in chapter 4 about what it means to be a true worshiper of God. He said, you worship what, what you know not, but salvation is of the Jews. Amen. And, and, and the verse that I got there, uh, John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Do y'all get the contrast? He tells the Pharisee, you must be born again. But he's talking to, and, 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 and why, did the, why, why did his message change when he talked to the woman? Because, man, because God doesn't look at us like men do. Yeah. 
if, 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 if we look at a, if we looked at the situation, see, he said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God beholds the heart. Jesus saw her at the heart level. And he knew she was a confused worshiper. And she needed instructions on what it really means to worship God. He looked at the Pharisee and he knew you got religion, you know the scriptures, amen, you're a student in the word, but you need to be born again. Because all your knowledge of the scriptures is human knowledge. And you can't even see into the kingdom of God until you get born again. Y'all, do y'all see the picture I'm talking about here? And, 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 and so uh, when Jesus is talking to the woman, He's saying God is looking for worshipers. Let, I, I, I'm not going to dwell on it, but let me just say something about worship. Worship is not what we think it is. Worship is not what we think it is. There are a lot of churches that uh, they got the budget and the light shows and the instrumentations and the screens and the smoke machines and, 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 and they put on a good, it's almost like going to a, 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 a rock concert. It's almost like going to a concert in the world. They think that we've got to imitate the world. And they're following after the world. But worship is not what you think. All of that stuff. God, God's, God, God says there, uh, ours coming now is when true worshipers. Now, if there are true worshipers, if God is looking for true worshipers, that means that they're false worshipers. Y'all get it? That's false worshipers. It's counterfeit. And so the stuff that we think is worship, is a lot of it is driven by our soulish natures. Mind, will, emotion. And you can stir up people's emotions. I, I've seen people faint at concerts. I've seen people at rock concerts and other different type of concerts, and they will have fits. And there's no anointing in the fit. Not an anointing of God. And so it lets me know you can, and there's some people that they can preach up a frenzy and get folks stirred up in their emotions, and when they get through, I, we, I, I've seen services where the anointing of God would be moving and folk go out the door and they'd be fighting. And you got to go break up a fight. So like I said, I'm not going to dwell on it, and, but, but just hear me. God is looking for true worshipers. And true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. And, and, and that's what God is looking for. That's what he began to teach the woman in Samaria. So in conclusion, I hope I, I, hope I help uh, you to have a little bit better understanding of the types of Christians. There are the spiritual Christians. There are the soulish Christians. And there are the carnal Christians. And so as we conclude the message today, which one of you? Which one of you? What's the prime motivating 